You are listening to the Redeemed Women Podcast. I'm your host, Paige Bierman. I have been looking forward to this conversation with Malia Capers. You guys may have already seen her. A few months back, she did one of our video series called The Last Few Months. So I guess Malia is just a popular girl around here at Redeemer. But I asked Malia if she would come and talk to me about her journey to Redeemer, her journey to faith. But also she and I get into conversation about how for many years she was the only black member of our church. I'm just thankful and grateful that she would share with me um, some of what the past year has been like, but also just what life in this community has been like. And so um, we appreciate it, Malia. Thanks for sharing. And here is our conversation. Okay. I'm really excited, Malia, to talk to you. We, uh, it's funny because when I, you know this obviously, but when I asked Malia to be on the podcast, I was like, so you've been at Redeemer, what, like eight years? And it was like, <laughs> very much so more than eight years, yeah. 11, that's mm-hmm. what you figured out, which mm-hmm. means that I've been at Redeemer almost eight years. Old timers. And I was like, wait, what? I've been here like four and that's wrong. <laughs> it's been more <laughs> than that. So that being said, I'm just so, I mean. I talk to you every Wednesday night for several years. Many years. So many years. And you came over and held my baby mm-hmm. for a long time. Yes, I remember that. I feel like that is my strongest memory of John. Mm-hmm. And he has no recollection of I it. know. We were talking about that earlier. Where <laughs> We had this sweet little babysitter who came every Wednesday night so we could go to home group. And she, in me and Josh's mind, is, like, so pivotal, yeah. and we loved her. And she was, like, the first non-family member we left our kid with. So, like, she's huge in our mind. Mm-hmm. And we're like, John has no recollection. We're like, do, do you know her? Like, she's <laughs> so great, you know. So, that being said, I guess I kind of feel like that with you. I'm like, do you know her? She's so great. <laughs> so, um, tell the people... Like, who are you? Introduce us to you, your family, all of that fun stuff. So funny, tell the people to this empty room. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, my name is Malia. (laughs) Uh, Like you said, I've been here for 11 years. I feel like I've been in all of the buildings, but it's not true. Which one did you miss? Um, Joel's house? I think just Joel's house, actually. Just Joel's house. I started at Girls Inc. Okay. Girls Inc. Cornerstone. I feel like there's another one. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. It's been it's been eleven years. I can't be held accountable to remember all of that. <laughs> um, but yes, I've been here for many years. I mark it by the nine lessons and carols that mm-hmm. I have participated in, and the first one was in 2010, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is confusing because it's like that's number one and not zero, and then yeah. 2011s. So anyway, <clears throat> um, I. I guess I'm from Montgomery. I say I'm mostly from Montgomery. My dad was in the Air Force, so we moved around a bit. I was born in New Hampshire. Oh. I've lived in Texas and Florida. That's why when people say, you don't have an accent, I'm like, where would it where would it come yeah. from? So, um, How long were you in Montgomery? I know you graduated high school there, but... I think we, we moved in 98 to Montgomery. Okay, so you were there a decent amount yeah. of time. Yeah, in 2004 is when I graduated and I came to Mm Sanford. So six years in Montgomery. 
then Samford, and then I moved to Birmingham because at the time my options were Birmingham or Montgomery for a 21 year old. <laughs> what am I gonna do? So I moved here. I worked about like I, I graduated when the economy crashed, so mm-hmm. I had a rough start of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm at Shipped now. It's pretty great. You've been there a while. I've been there almost four years. It'll be four yeah. years in April. Wow. Which feels like no time at all, but also half of my life somehow. <laughs> but that's just Shipped. Anybody who works at Shipped will be like, one mm-hmm. month is approximately six. So yeah, yeah, it's just a time warp. You know, one of the reasons that I wanted to chat with you, not the only reason, but one of them, mm-hmm. is if in case people didn't pick it up, you are a black woman. It's true, I am. We we can't see your face right now, no. but you are. Um, and I'm imagining, I mean, I know Samford's population. You were probably one of not a ton not of black ton. people at Samford. Mm-hmm. And then now you've been at Redeemer, and I know at least the first several years, there probably were not many not a ton. other black people. Even now, yeah. you're like one of maybe 10. Um, so... I guess my question is just like, what's that been like? Like, how is that experience? Well, it's nothing new. Yeah. Um, which pros and cons. Yeah. I grew up on base and the great thing about being military is that it's a lot of everybody or mm-hmm. enough of everybody, I should say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there were black kids, white kids, Asian kids, you know, European kids when I was in school. I also went to a magnet school. Yeah. Or a magnet high school, which attracts all sorts of people, which was cool. For Montgomery, it's a pretty diverse school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is. We used to play volleyball. One of, the, one of the schools that's keeping Alabama from mm-hmm. being 50th. And so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wasn't it ranked number one? It, I think so. Reason, I know recently it was yeah Yeah. either like last year or the year before something i saw it on facebook there's you're like highlighting that on your resume like hey i know high school doesn't matter a ton anymore i've been out for a while (laughs) we were number one yeah Yeah. you're welcome yeah so Uh, you're saying this hasn't been like a new no this isn't a new um a new arena for me it's and because of that i'm like i'm used to it i'm used to being one of the only black people people of color in a space that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I remember at one point when we were at Cornerstone, I remember looking around and like doing a visual count. And I'm like, there are literally three people of color in this room right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> like, it's not like I'm a storm out because yeah. of it, because I do have family here. Like mm-hmm. my church family is my family. I've been here too long to abandon them now. <laughs> And I learn a lot. And so mm-hmm. I'm not in any rush to leave. And Jonathan and I talked about this a little bit. If I if I wanted to leave because I am me, if I wanted to leave, I would go. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not really one to do something I don't want to do. Um, and I've had conversations with, you know, people from home group, the very many iterations of home group yeah, no. <laughs> um, about this and like, what can we do as a church and what can leadership do and what can I do? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I don't know how to attract a certain type of people. Yeah. Color, gender, whatever. Like 
you do what you want to do with the space that you're in and it's going to attract the people who are looking for that. Mm-hmm. I will say that a lot of people go to what is familiar. Mm-hmm. And so like people from Samford go to this church and they're going to bring other people from Samford and Samford is a whiter school than mm-hmm. not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's going to bring in more white people and that's fine like it's just yeah it's just what it is and so yeah. it it's it's kind of it's kind of weird mm-hmm. when i like stop and think about it and i don't know what this says about me that i don't stop and think about it a mm-hmm. ton because it can kind of bum me out a little bit yeah. but i'm also like like i said i don't really think about it and i'm also not great at meeting new people so even if another black person showed up i'd be like oh gosh are they going to talk to me because i'm the only other black person you're like my husband like Like, i have my nine friends i have my nine friends (laughs) i'm good thank Thank you you. welcome (laughs) i have to go now (laughs) i'm terrible i'm don't ever let me be someone who welcomes (laughs) people you're not on the greeting team no it's okay it's okay we all have our gifts it, yes, that's we, that's not my strength. But <laughs> once I know you, I will. I we're in. Like, yeah. I'm gonna make sure you're doing everything. Like, you're okay. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I want there to be more black people. I don't know how to make that happen. I have no idea. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think one of the things I was thinking about coming into this conversation, knowing that you and I were going to talk about some of your unique experiences both within the church and just like mm-hmm. over the last year or so right is i don't there were two things one and you said it and i said it before we got on like i was nervous mm-hmm. i've known you for i don't the years i've known you for the years for the years i've watched your dog you've held my child mm-hmm. i've known you but i think talking about color and race it just it feels nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's because I care so much about you that I don't want to do something unintentionally stupid. Of course. But then there's this other thing. And so, like, I say that because I don't want people to think that, like, this is just, like, this super easy conversation that just, like, happens all the time. It's never easy. No. And it does not happen near enough. Yeah. And and so, you know, and of all the people I could talk to about this, like, I feel the most comfortable with you, yet I'm still nervous. Sure. Um, but I don't know. I just kind of this other thing was like, I so want to have this conversation with you. Yet at the same time, I never want you to feel like used. Yeah. You know what tokened. I mean? Yeah. Like tokened. Like, like, well, I do think this is a conversation that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And I do want. Like, my last thing that I want you and I to talk about is, like, how to solve racism in America. (laughs) You know, like, the whole point of this podcast is Redeemer women getting to share their stories, and those stories are unique. Right. And I think you have many aspects of your story that are unique, and this is one of them. And I want you to have the freedom, and I want us to be able to hear you when you share your personal experience, you know? Yeah. Um, so those are the two things I was thinking coming into this. And, but it can just, I don't know, in today's climate, especially after kind of the year that we've had, it just felt like 
it to feels... speak honestly and openly with yeah. one another feels kind of nerve wracking. It's real big. Mm-hmm. It feels really big for me too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've all had plenty of time to think about this. Since we've had nothing but time while we were sitting at home time, with nowhere to go. <laughs> is also like, to me, it's such providence that everybody was just trapped at home during, I mean, George Floyd's murder was horrific. Horrific yeah. and mm-hmm. should not have happened. But the fact that no one could go anywhere mm-hmm. or distract themselves with anything else feels very much like mm-hmm. that was bigger than us. Mm-hmm. And we were all just forced to sit in that discomfort and see, and this is something I heard from, I don't know, at the time I was intaking all sorts of information and memes Mm -hmm. and thoughts and editorials. And and it was just someone said that this one hit harder because you could see the face of both of the people. Oh, yeah. Like a lot of other videos, because this is not the first time we've seen a black person be killed by um, a police officer or law enforcement but the pictures are usually really grainy mm. or like far away or they're moving or something. And this mm-hmm. one was like clear as day. This man is trapped on the ground mm-hmm. asking, begging for help, asking for his mother. And this other guy is just like hands in his pocket, also clear as day, yeah, doing nothing. And that hit because it's like I'm literally watching someone be murdered right now. Yeah. And I, I can see it. There's no... Yeah. No one's protecting me from this picture. Yeah. And so I think that plus the lack of opportunity for distraction really created this like boiling point that black people sure. have been feeling for literally decades, <laughs> centuries. Yeah. And it's kind of like a reckoning. So mm-hmm. here's this moment in time where everybody has to reflect, which is not the American way. Yeah. and We couldn't just, like, move right on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of really great people who are white have to just, like, acknowledge that this is happening Mm -hmm. all the time. Black people have known this. But it's like, hey, wonderful white friend, Mm -hmm. now you see what Mm -hmm. we deal with. And... It's a hard conversation to have because when you are confronted with something that you just generally don't spend a lot of time with, it's like, oh my gosh, I have to sort through all of my emotions about everything. And because it's so big and affects so many people, and I think a lot of people are just naturally geared towards problem solving, Mm -hmm. it's like, I can't solve this problem. How do I solve this problem? And then that gets incorporated into the reflection yeah. and then these conversations happen and they're not easy to hear or to confront or to talk about. And like even me being one of the few black friends that a lot of my friends have, mm-hmm. um, it's like I, do, I don't want to be tokened and everyone has, has said yeah. that and I, I don't ever feel like that. But it's like this is my unique experience mm-hmm. with this. It's going to be different than my friend Tanisha's. She's mm-hmm. going to have – I mean, we're pretty similar. So she'll have a pretty similar <laughs> experience, but hers will also yeah, be different. Yeah, but she's a different individual. <clears throat> she is a different individual. Yeah. And that is one thing that I read all over the place was like the one black friend you have is not a monolith for black people. Yeah. So I can say – Everything that I know and think about this 
-hmm. and it will be absolutely true for me. Mm -hmm. And you have to take what I have said, learn, adjust, research, investigate within yourself, within your home, within your family, Mm -hmm. extended family, your friends, whatever. Take that new knowledge and then go to the next person and ask them, what's your experience? Mm -hmm. That's like every woman has a different experience. And so like whatever your experience is with like, you know, men is going to be different than mine. Yeah. We're both still women. Doesn't mean yours is right. Mine is wrong. Yeah. Or whatever. We have experiences. There is diversity among us. Among all of the people. And so I've had this conversation in some iteration a number of times. Mm -hmm. And like every time... It's a little bit different because I've had more time or less time to think about this or something Mm -hmm. new has happened or whatever. And so it's never easy for me either, but I am really cherishing all of my white friends who are putting in the effort and the energy to ask questions and learn more. Like I still remember, um, I hate to say it, but I I don't remember who had been killed, but a black Mm -hmm. person had been killed some years ago. And it was one of my roommates was like, I know that it's, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to ask you how you're, how you're feeling. Like, Mm -hmm. is there anything you want me to know? And I was just like, no one's ever asked me this question before. And I was like, I'm really sad. I'm really sad. And yeah. It's just be there for the black people in your life, but do more and learn more. Ally is a verb. Yeah. Be an ally. Be a person who is constantly trying to do better. And I told this to Jonathan uh, when we were filming. I was like, you are going to have a much bigger effect as a white man than I will ever have as a black woman. Because that's the system we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, I can rally and rail and scream, which is outside of my personality. I would never. Yeah, I was going to say, you wouldn't actually do that. <laughs> you, I mean, you could try. I could, but, <laughs> but it's going to be 100% different than if Jonathan Haas and James Kling, just those two wonderful guys, mm-hmm. get together and say like, hey, this is nonsense mm-hmm. and we need to make some changes. Like, mm-hmm. The system has created a better reception for white people to say the things that black people have been saying for years. Mm-hmm. And so if I can, with one conversation, encourage one white person to say, this is not right. These systems are not okay. They are oppressive. And mean it and take it and do something with it. Then I'm like, success. I, <laughs> I have contributed to yeah. the social justice that is wildly lacking. Yeah. When I think, once again, being in your home group for a number of years, once again, I can't remember who it was who was murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember conversation coming up around it then. I mean, and this was a while back. Yeah. And... I just remember so much then just like appreciating just appreciating like you voicing what you were feeling then. And I if I remember correctly, it was actually a little bit of anger 
Mm -hmm. Um, Probably. Which was odd coming from you, you know? And so, but I think, you know, just being in relationship with you and being weekly in conversation with you about various things. Yeah. To see that response, like, really spoke both to me and Josh. Because, I mean, neither of us have forgotten about it, Mm -hmm. you know? And that was maybe, like, six years ago-ish, you know? And so, you know, I think... That's one of the reasons, you know, I just want to say like loud and clear, like I so value having you here, just like I value everyone else. You know, one of our core convictions is priesthood of all believers. And I remember, you know, in home group leader training, one of the things that Matt Francisco says all the time is um, basically like someone in your home group may need to hear the gospel come off of your lips. So you need to be there that night, yeah. you know, and like likewise they may need to cry on your shoulder and so just like this belief that like in the family of christ like we all are bringing our unique gifts and abilities like we're all saints we're all ministers of the gospel and so seeing how the lord has like uniquely used you and your upbringing and where you come from and your experiences and all of those things and how it makes an impact on someone else Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's not distinctive to color. That's yeah. your Sanford experience, your UCF experience, you're right. having a dog, whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, but that's just been something that I'm I'm so thankful for and I want more of. You know. Um I'm here all week. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously, I mean you spoke on it some like this has just been a year. This has been it's a been year. a year. Um what kind of emotions have you dealt with this year? I think, oddly enough, well, not oddly enough, let me not. Um, gratitude um, has been a big one because really? I have experienced unemployment and like insecurity before. Mm-hmm. During the first recession, yeah. Um, coming into this time and having a job, and not only having a job, but like having a job that really—you were booming. We were thriving. Yeah, twenty twenty. I was almost. I should have worn the shirt. We have a shirt that uh, says "Rally," which is one of our core values at Shipped. And mm-hmm. like twenty twenty was the year of rally. Mm-hmm. Everything doubled. Um, yeah. Part of that, most of that was out of necessity, but you know. We as the employees rose to that occasion. And so being able to have a job, be able to keep my job, like thrive mm-hmm. during the year we had, and be at home safe. So, mm-hmm. and I mean that not just like I had a home to be in, but mm-hmm. like, even though I don't love it a lot of times, living by myself during this past year has mm-hmm. been kind of great oh yeah because i don't have to worry about anybody oh that's true you don't have to worry about like roommate scenarios and where yes. they've been and i don't that kind have of stuff. to worry yeah, about yeah. roommate a thinking that this isn't as serious as it is and going to a bar or whatever and coming <laughs> yeah. home and giving me covid um so that has been something that i was like huh glad i don't live with anyone yeah like great Perry's not going anywhere, yeah. so which is also I feel really bad for my dog. He's been in that apartment for as long <laughs> as I have, but he's a dog, so it's worse for him. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I've been really grateful to be able to like essentially continue living. Mm-hmm. Um. 
quite well and easily during the past year. It's crazy that it's a year. Yeah. Like legitimately. Literally yesterday was the first day or March 17, 2020 uh-huh. was the first day that I worked from home. Really? So I went into the office on the 16th because it was my sister's birthday. And I was like, it's my sister's birthday. But I mean, she's not here. And yeah. there's only two other people in this office right now. Um, but at the end of that day, they were like, grab a monitor. Go home. Everybody's got to go home. Yep. And so 27 or March, March 17th, 17th was the first day. So it's now been a full year at home. A year and a day. And it has been like the worst part is that like my chair is not super comfortable (laughs) and I don't like to work on the couch because then I just watch TV and don't work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Can't afford to do that. Discipline. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, I've been grateful and that is a weird thing to say, but I've also been, you know, sad, angry. Um, and I mentioned this in my, uh, the other thing Mm -hmm. I did, um, Loneliness is something that is always just like, yeah, just looming, just in the back there. And I have been grateful that that has not been like a pressing problem mm-hmm. um, during this past year because I was super worried about it. Like, I was, yeah, I was like, who would I even call? Like, who would who would find me <laughs> if I fell into a spiral? I would just yeah. be on the floor for days. Um, so I've been very, very thankful for the Lord in that protection because even when I started at shipped, I, because it's so wild and left field from what I went to school for and know, Mm -hmm. I was like, God, (laughs) you doing this? And every time that I've been ready to leave, there's been something, something keeps me there. And I'm like, God, (laughs) so I'm I'm certain he has a hand in yeah. me being at shipped for four years now. What um what has that relationship looked like this year? Just in the gratitude, the sadness, the anger, the God or what what yeah. is your plan here? What what have those conversations with God been like this year? Um, to be fully transparent, kinda spotty. Yeah. <laughs> like I think we can all uh, yeah. kind of relate to that. It like hits different, especially like not coming to church. And I was talking to my home group leader about it. Like there's something really undervalued, at mm-hmm. least for the two of us, about like small talk mm-hmm. at church. Just mm-hmm. like seeing someone that you haven't seen in a like, couple of we weeks. We essentially lost like a whole group of friends. Yeah. Like, you have the forever friends that you're just going to see no matter what. And then you have, like, the home group people that really, like, those have been some of the most consistent people over this year. Yeah. Because it's like, who else do I see every week? Yeah. But, yeah, it's those people that, like, I had friendships with that I pretty much only saw at church. Yeah, church That just, like, went away. Yeah. It's sad. And that was a hard hit. So it was, like, that plus everything that was going on. And I'm very empathetic. And when things were real wild in the summer, Mm -hmm. I was like, I just have to sit still because if I read one more thing, I'm going to lose it. Yeah. You're in a great group that had their job and like had a church community and had all of that stuff. And we all just experienced loss in some form, way or fashion. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, during the summer when we're watching just the craziness unfold in our world, I mean, like, those were some, like, dark days. Yeah. They were they were hard-hitting, and 
it's weird because like when things are hard, I usually do go to the Lord first. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, help, please help. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe, maybe racial injustice just felt so big mm-hmm. that I was like, I can't be almost like a shutdown, like a shutdown yeah. feature. <laughs> just <Sleep> reboot, mode. <laughs> reboot. <laughs> As, and also maybe I, I'm like processing this now, which is mm-hmm. weird. I usually process my stuff silently. Um, I think part of it was like everybody's like praying for the family. And I'm like, I don't want mm-hmm. to just pray for the family. I want to do something, but I also mm-hmm. don't know what, know to, what do. to do. I don't know what one black girl in Alabama can do to stop racial injustice. And when I get that, it's like, well, if I can't do that thing, I mean, if I can't yeah. do one thing, I'm just going to do nothing, yeah. which is not true. Please do not do that. Yeah. <laughs> for you, how has community played a role? Like your home group? Mm-hmm. Um. And how has, how has like decompressing or like talking through things been with your home group versus Tanisha Mm. or your family or, you know, whoever, like, how does that differ? Okay. So the conversations are super different. Obviously Mm -hmm. we've got different audiences here. So my home group is wonderful white people. And I remember having like a conversation like it was when we were still doing the zoom and so I was like sitting at my desk in tears and I'm mm-hmm. like I'm crying in front of these people which is fine I am a huge fan of being vulnerable with mm-hmm. people who you trust to be vulnerable around and I remember because I had to write it down because Did I do really ramble a bit yeah. <laughs> it all leads somewhere but I was like let's just make this a little bit more mm-hmm. concise and so I like wrote it down and I was reading what I wrote and I'm like crying through my tears and I'm trying also not to like look off camera because I didn't want them to feel like detached. I want it to make eye contact, Mm -hmm. which is actually really hard when you're doing a Zoom because you have to look at the camera, not the screen. Yep. And I wanted to like make eye contact with these people who love me and who I love and let them know that this is a big deal. This is a real thing that's going to require like learning on their part on the part of their children, like exposure Mm -hmm. to things that are outside of themselves. Um, And I remember in that moment thinking like, I'm leading this conversation in a way. Like Mm -hmm. I'm presenting this information or these emotions, these feelings, these thoughts, whatever, hoping that they pick it up and make moves with it. Mm With Tanisha, I don't have to do that. Yeah. With Tanisha and my sisters and my parents. Right. I do not actually have a lot of black people in my life. Um, <laughs> but it's just like we kind of give ourselves the space to commiserate mm-hmm. first and then reflect. So it's less, quote unquote, educational. Mm-hmm. It's just like, this is hard for me for this reason. Mm-hmm. why is it hard for you there's like the understanding yeah I think it's always going to sting a little different um, because the loss of life in and of itself mm-hmm. is something to be mourned um, and everyone should be affected by that mm-hmm. that should hit everybody in a very right. real, very And I would hope, like, way. you don't have to be a believer to be sad that yeah. life is lost. Yeah. I would hope. <laughs> One would hope. Um, but I think the difference is always going to be that, like, 
that could have been me. That mm. could have been my dad. Mm. Um, that could be my brother-in-law just yeah. as easily as it was George Floyd. <clears throat> and when I take Perry out, because I take him out late because I stay up late. Mm-hmm. Like I go to bed at one o'clock. So I take him out to the bathroom at like 1230. Mm-hmm. And when I do, I'm like, do I have a light with me? Do mm-hmm. Am I wearing like, I wouldn't wear this outside because it's too dark. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to think I'm up to no good and then like yeah. come up on me when I'm just trying to let my dog pee because that's that's my full intention. Yeah. Just let this dog relieve himself and then go and to then bed. And then go to bed. Yeah. Um, but not everybody sees that. They see a black person standing outside in the dark, in dark clothes, and mm-hmm. then I'm on the news. And I just mm-hmm. like everywhere, everywhere I go, we all have the potential to be on the news. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that reason, seeing it happen, it always hurts. Yeah. So I was like, that could have that could have been me. That yeah. could have been someone I love just as easily. I could worry about my family all the time. Yeah. Not because they're out doing anything wild. They're just existing yeah. in the world. Yeah. Being black. Yeah. And for some reason, that's still not a safe thing to do. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's heavy. And yeah. I mean, there's not much to say. Yeah. What can your faith family know and do to love you better? Hmm. Ask questions. Of you or just in general? Both. Okay. Um, I will say when everything was going down in the summer, like a lot of people were reaching out and they're like, how are you doing? And I'm like, I haven't talked to you in three years. <laughs> this is weird, man. I know. Well, so I have a, I have a, a friend and a colleague who basically does my job, but at another church, um, she's since left, but at the time she was at the church and she and I had just kind of created this friendship. She's a black woman, saw out of eye on a lot of things, had the same job, similar like kids ages, so she and I would meet from time to time and just kind of routinely just catch up as well as discuss work things. And we met during this time and she said something very similar of like, I'm so, and she, in a similar way, a lot of her church's experience had been in predominantly white churches. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I'm so thankful that people are reaching out to me and like want to have this conversation. She's like, I'm also very tired. tired. <laughs> I'm just very tired. Um, as well as she was like, I just keep asking the Lord, like, is this why I had the experience that I had? Hmm. Like, I've been in these predominantly white spaces as a black woman. And like, have you now given me this responsibility or this right. um, opportunity? Because I'm just around so many people and so many people want to talk about this right now. Um, But yes, I just remember her being like, I'm really tired of like having the same conversation. Mm -hmm. It's part of the reason why I wrote it down because I've been saying it so Yeah, you're like, eyes closed. I got this. Yeah. These phrases and it was true. (laughs) So 
to love you better ask questions of you or just in general yes ask questions um educate yourself not just on like black people or what's going on but like on our culture on other cultures like Mm -hmm. i think it's really easy to just kind of live in the silo of your life and Mm -hmm. it's just true of nature like like calls to like and so people are just more likely to be around similar people yeah and if that doesn't include a diverse cast, then, you know, don't go out and randomly ask a black person to be your friend. That's weird. <laughs> like, that's kind of weird. Just, like, make sure that, I don't know, you're reading black authors and, like, mm-hmm. the toys that your kids have, like, they should not all be white. Mm-hmm. The books that they're reading should not all be white mm-hmm. protagonists. And that is... Like the biggest thing for me is like adults can educate themselves. Parents have to educate their kids. Mm -hmm. So you need to teach your kids to be inclusive, to be aware. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how long it's going to take. I'm assuming a lifetime. Mm -hmm. But I want your kids, my friend's kids, to be ready, willing, to stand up for my kids mm-hmm. without batting an eyelash, to hear mm-hmm. something or see something and be like, wait a minute, that's not okay. Yeah. ASAP. Yeah. Without being like, mommy, mommy, I heard this weird thing. What does that mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that to me is like the biggest thing that you can do. Yeah. Educate yourself, educate your children. Because, I mean, justice when left to man is a slow process so we can get a jump on this with the next generation like let's go ahead and get that ball rolling what kind of comfort do you find in god himself being just oof i rely on it i depend on it because even when even when it's like (laughs) that's a curse word (laughs) (laughs) It's really bad here. I know that like God is at hand. He is in control. All hard things are still through the Father. Um, like He's good. Yeah, He is good and He is kind. Nikki said that all the time. Mm-hmm. And He is good and kind all the time. Mm-hmm. And like that's part of the reason that I. I'm like, thanks, God, for being super faithful and being who you are, which is good and kind all the time. Um, let me focus on this and what I can do, because I know that regardless, you are you are at hand in this. You are doing all things for your glory. And so <clears throat> it's it's weird when things are so bad and things are so hard to be like, but God is still doing mm-hmm. exactly what God does, which mm-hmm. is care for his children and keep us safe and be. Yeah. Um, so you've been here 11 years. Yeah. Yet again. What... <laughs> 
what, if any, um, growth or good do you think has come from being immersed around predominantly people who don't look like you? Mm. I don't know. I don't think I ever think of it that way. I think of it as like, what good and growth has come from being immersed around people who love the Lord and who care? Snapping. <laughs> I love it. And yeah. Yeah, it's not like, yeah. How have these white people grown me? <laughs> it's yeah. It's just like, how have these like faithful believers? family how how have they grown me how have they seen me through my hard times and helped me and you know rejoiced when I rejoice and that's like that's one of the reasons that I love home group is that like we rejoice with each other we we mourn with each other Mm -hmm. we feel these things together and I don't know a ton of churches that do that as intentionally as we do Mm mm-hmm like, if I can't say I am pissed about X, Y, and Z, or when I got the job at Shipped mm-hmm. and everybody, I still remember that, everybody screamed and Mary Beth was immediately like, do I have champagne at home? <laughs> she was ready to run to her yes. house and get a bottle of champagne. And it's just like, that was such a joyous moment because they walked with me through the six months of mm-hmm. just like fear and sadness and like borderline hopelessness and when it was done like we all got to celebrate that not just me yeah and that's the community that i'm in yeah they just happen to be white yeah it's family it's family yeah good family because there's good yeah it's the kind that god intended yeah family (laughs) um would you say, I mean, has there been any hardship or difficulty? I'm assuming yes, just, mm-hmm. just being in community with broken people. Mm-hmm. But there was, I will say, the one thing that I, like, I thought about this when I first read the questions was mm-hmm. after George Floyd was killed, like, I don't remember the exact day. No, 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 that's not it. It was, nope, yes, I'm a terrible storyteller. <laughs> I'm tracking, you're after, good. After George Floyd was killed, I remember like, you know, emails were sent from the church. Mm-hmm. There was like a response, but I remember we didn't really talk about it in my home group. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until the next week when the riots started, that's when it was brought up. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking like, wait a minute. Why didn't we talk about this last week? Yeah. And part of me is like, is it because the riots directly affect mm-hmm. everybody here? Like, we don't know where the next riot's going to happen, but the actual <clears throat> incident didn't affect anybody. Yeah. It wasn't in our local community. Yeah. yeah. And like, in that regard, it was like, that's. I think we maybe didn't do that one right. Mm -hmm. And part of that's on me because I was waiting for somebody to ask when I could have just said, like, this thing happened and I'm not And this is how I'm experiencing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say, you know, we we did talk about George Floyd in our home group right after it occurred. And 
I wouldn't say that I regret it because I don't regret it, but I think the medium of Zoom yeah. felt like such a barrier to have that kind of conversation. That's fair. And so I don't regret it because I think that's what was going on and that's what so many of us were seeing and experiencing. But it, I remember finishing home group and just being like, I don't know, just like, I wish I could look you in the face. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish I could see your body language. Yeah. I, you know, like, and it just kind of, it was what it was because we were in, you know, the midst of a pandemic and we couldn't be together. Right. But it just felt like, gosh, this kind of conversation, I want to like be able to touch you, yeah. you know, and it, and because of that, it felt. I don't know. It just, it, it didn't feel like I could like hold someone's hand, you know, substantial. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. That's just kind of how I experienced it. And like I said, we, we did talk about it and it was a good conversation. Like I don't, like I said, I don't regret it, but I just remember feeling like this is lacking because we're not together. Mm. Like when Mm. you're having a family conversation, zoom just doesn't feel sufficient. That's, That's a valid point. Yeah. I think final question. Okay. Um, you mentioned this earlier. Have there ever been moments that you've thought about going somewhere else? I lied. It's not the final question because I have a follow up. <laughs> um, I don't think so. I don't think so. Like there have been moments where I want to be, you know, one of many. Yeah. But I'm like, what's the trade-off, though? Because, as I mentioned, I'm not great with new people. So, Mm -hmm. like, do I really want to go to a whole new church alone and meet new people and get planted in there when the word is so good here and the family is so good here? I'm fine. What is it Joel always says? Like, none of us get the church that we want. Yeah. And I, like, like, he's said that since UCF. And so I'm mm -hmm. like, you know, I can't look for the perfect church because that does not exist. It doesn't exist. So I might as well be where I'm feeling planted and, Mm -hmm. you know, nourished and can nourish others. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't really have a desire to go elsewhere. I'm always worried that, like, when the time comes, if and when I get married, like, what if he's not from this church? Like, what mm-hmm. are we going to do then? We're going to brainwash him. Like, sorry, and we're going to tell him, you don't have an option. It's here or nowhere. <laughs> we're all, as a membership, going to link arms. And we're going to say, hey, dude, she's not going anywhere. <laughs> we'll know. welcome you in, but she's not going anywhere. <laughs> um, I feel that way. Like, I've had several people in my home group get engaged. And, like, there's one engaged right now. And I'm like, she doesn't currently go to Redeemer. I'm trying to, like, woo her, if mm. you will. Yes. But I'm like... He can't go anywhere. Like, no. Sorry. Like, I feel so possessive. Um, all right. So here's my follow-up question. This really is the last one. Okay. Have there been moments that have confirmed, yes, this is the place that I'm supposed to be? Yeah. I would say for sure uh, that celebratory moment in home group. Yeah. When Mary Beth ran to get the champagne. She didn't have it. She didn't have it. I'm, I'm shocked. Yeah. I think she said that she, like, they had just had it the night before. And so she, like, I. <laughs> just a random she, Tuesday. She was sitting across from me, too. So I remember her yeah. reaction most vividly. Like, Tyler was next to her and she went. <gasps> she was like, I'm trying to remember if we saw that champagne. But I think we drank it last night. It's like. It's okay. We don't need champagne. Um, so that was um, 
very affirming. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I would get the same reaction elsewhere. Yeah. They would just be like, hey, that's really great. I'm so glad for you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and then, oddly enough, this one doesn't even have to do with me. Well, it does. It's my friend. So Tanisha came to, I don't remember what we called it, like worship night. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Or it was just like... Uh-huh worship music and it was beautiful i i loved it and it was after um she lost xavier and mm-hmm. so she was still very tender um and i was like hey do you want to come to this thing where it's like literally just gonna be worship music and she's like yeah sure i gotta get out of the house um and so she came with me and i sang all of the songs and she sang none of the songs she mm-hmm. just sat there and she was crying as expected. And so mm-hmm. once it was done, like I sat down, we prayed together. I think she wrote an email to Lauren Starnes mm. or I don't know. She sent someone an email and mm-hmm. LB read it. And then she told me about it later. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I had no idea. Yeah. But um, Tanisha and I talked about it like afterwards. Um, she was like, I felt so covered. Like it was so, so wonderful and life-giving to be somewhere and just hear people praise the Lord together. Mm-hmm. No one asked me how I was doing. No one no one tried to give me a hug. I just mm-hmm. was able to listen and hear the words of the Lord through song. And I'm so thankful you invited me. And I was like, I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> <laughs> we were both crying. But yeah. like in that moment, it's like the fact that I'm at a church that for me was just like a wonderful night of worship, but for Mm -hmm. my friend was like a reprieve from Mm -hmm. this heartbreak that she had experienced Mm -hmm. even for just an hour and a half. That was, I was like, lock it in. We're here. We're here. And I think she sometimes watches the the live stream still like to this day because they're, they're staying home. I think their church has gone back to church, but they're like Mm -hmm. staying for way too long. She's like, I can't. Mm-hmm. With a two-year-old, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. So the childcare situation during COVID is rough. It's rough. Thank God. Thank God for childcare right now. Every Thank parent you. out there, you're a rock star. <laughs> An absolute rock star. Um, seriously, thank you so much. Yeah, sure. You talk about yourself, but like that's some nitty-gritty stuff about yourself. So I appreciate you just sharing. And once again, I just want. Redeemer people to know how to love you better and I want them to be encouraged by the bajillions of things you've gone through (laughs) and lessons you've learned and the realistic like picture you gave us of like yeah "Yeah, I didn't do this great like I didn't do do this flawlessly um (laughs) um so I just I appreciate it thanks for asking me you're the best